Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Hey, this morning, I just want to share with you a little journey I've been on for the last uh, couple of weeks. Since Randy came up and uh, asked me if I would do uh, preach this Sunday, because him and William are out uh, hunting together, a little father-son time, which is cool. Um, and I just, uh, he said, uh, I'd like to do something about uh, giving thanks or Thanksgiving. So what I'd like you to do is just, uh, I realized as I preached first hour, I was just kind of sharing with everybody how God walked me through to teach me personally about what it meant to give thanks. And I'd like to do that this morning. And you're going to get a little insight into how Robert's brain works, which could scare you a little bit, but that's okay. We all wired a little different. But um, So I'm going to just share with you what God shared with me and kind of walk you through what I've learned. But it's going to start here. It's going to start with uh, one of my most favorite times of the year is just about to begin. It's between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I don't know about you, but I just love that moment of time. Now, I know that Christmas has been inundating us for the last month and a half, two months. But we are now officially about ready to move into uh, Thanksgiving and into um, Christmas eventually. But I love the holiday of Thanksgiving because it has three of the most important things to me. It has family. We all go, yeah, family, family. Food. Yeah, I love food. (laughs) And football. I love football. One of my favorite things to do is to watch college and professional football. I'm a San Diego Charger fan. I came from San Diego. And much like a Texan fan, even though your win-loss record is much better than my Chargers, they kind of go up and down, up and down, up and down. My team has a quarterback that's proven elite. And the poor Texans can't figure out if they have a quarterback. So I'm, there's times where I wish we could just take the two teams, mix them up. We could all go, we could go all the way. Football, I love, I love this time of year. And thinking about Thanksgiving, again, this is how I think when Randy said, you know, Thanksgiving, I want you to preach on Thanksgiving. And I, talked, I thought about, you know, I really like Thanksgiving because of those things. And then I thought, well, let me get on my computer and find some facts or trivia about Thanksgiving. It's kind of way I think. So I get on there, and I, again, this is, I, I wonder how people figure this stuff out. There's no evidence, here's the first one, there's no evidence that a turkey was actually eaten at the first Thanksgiving feast, you know, pilgrims and all that. In fact, there's more like venison, which I've never had. How many people have venison? I hear it's really good. Is that true? True? Okay. Or seafood. Now, I love seafood. I can see that. And uh, since they had no ovens, right? No uh, green bean casserole. I love that. And, and this really hurts. No pies. No apple pie. One of my favorite things to do is apple pie. Here's, again, I don't know how you find this stuff out. Speaking of the pilgrims, the three utensils that we use to eat with, fork, spoon, knife, which one was not present at the first feast with the pilgrims? Which one of those? How do you know that? How do people know the fork was the first? See, I guess I'm just, I don't know. Okay, yeah, it's the fork. They used, uh, they used a knife and a spoon in their fingers, which kind of makes sense, you think about it. 
And now that I think about it, it would be hard to kind of make a fork out of a piece of wood, wouldn't it? I, I, okay, I get that. Okay, here's, here's something interesting. Again, I don't know how to do this stuff. Nowadays, almost 90% of all Americans will eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Okay, let's see if that's true. Instead of everybody raising their hand, who's going to eat turkey? Who in the crowd is not going to eat turkey on Thanksgiving? Oh, that's about right, huh? Okay. Now, here's a sad statement. An estimated 46 million turkeys will be consumed on Thanksgiving Day. That's a lot of poor turkeys that are being consumed. I guess, I guess I've already the poor turkey way back when because we get them frozen. So, all that. Thing. And I, this, this I don't understand. How do you know this? The average American will eat 17 pounds of turkey a year. Explain to me, how do they figure that out? Does that include those little, those little sandwich slices that don't taste like turkey, but they say they're turkey? I don't, I don't, can't figure that out. And then the last thing, there's a little more serious note, talks about, you probably understand that Thanksgiving was an official holiday that began with the pilgrims, but became more of a public holiday in, six, in 1863 when President Lincoln declared it. In fact, this is what he said in the midst of the Civil War that was going on. He declared this proclamation entreating all Americans to ask God to commend to his, God's, tender care, all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, and sufferers in this lamentable civil strife and to heal the wounds of a nation. I looked up, over 600,000 people lost their lives in the Civil War. And here Lincoln says, hey, we need to be praying, we need to lift up all those who have lost loved ones during that time. So then from there, I decided, well, I'll look up the word Thanksgiving on, in the dictionary. And it gives me three different definitions. It says, the act of giving thanks, grateful acknowledgement, or benefit, or favors, especially to God. An expression of thanks, especially to God. A day set aside for giving thanks to God. Well, yeah, that's kind of... I thought that was interesting. Here the, you know, the dictionary is, in all three of its reference, references God and the whole idea of Thanksgiving, which led to me thinking, well, I wonder how many verses are in the Bible that talk about either thanks or Thanksgiving. So I did what you had to do to figure that out, and I came across this. There's a hundred verses in God's Word that talk to, gives about thanks or Thanksgiving, and 22 of those verses are found, guess in what book? Say it loud. Be proud. Psalms, right? That's the first thing we think of when you think of Thanksgiving, you think of Psalms. And while the country is set aside one day a year to give thanks, as Christ followers, we are to give thanks to have a heart of thanks towards God each and every day. And this morning... I want to just share with you what God has revealed and shared with me. And at times it was, I think, more God just telling me what I need to know. And I'm just going to pass that on. And I'm going to allow God to, to use what he wants to use in your life as you move forward. So I'm just going to share, once again, I'm just going to share what God shared with me and taught me as I studied on all this. Psalms 100 is what we're going to look today. If you've got your Bibles, turn there. You got the little paper, it's on there. In fact, all the verses that, in order that I'll be going through is on there. And uh, arts will be on the screen. 
Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Throughout this whole Psalms, which is only five verses long, it's all about giving thanks. In fact, in my Bible, which is the old NIV youth study Bible that I've had for a while, it titles it, A Psalm for Giving Thanks. And within that Psalms, there's two truths that have taken and lived out will cause us, me, to have an attitude and a heart of thanksgiving to God each and every day. First one, first truth. It's found in Psalms 100, verse 3. He is God. Know, and some translations say, acknowledge that the Lord is God. Now, here's you just got to track with me on this one. So I'm reading that verse, reading through Psalms, and I come to that first truth, for he is God. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, in my chair, I got an office right over this angle, and my chair look, has a window. I can look out a window in the parking lot, but then a big grassy area. And sometimes when I'm thinking and I got to get some thoughts, I'll look, I'll stare out that window. And so I get to that point, I look out that window, for he is God. Of course he's God. I'm thinking, what am I supposed to say about this? Three weeks ago, roughly about three weeks ago, I'm watching TV. I don't even remember what I was watching. It went to a commercial. It went to a Jeep commercial. And... Uh, I'm not even watching the screen. I'm just kind of, you know, I don't know how many of you do this. It goes to commercial. I pull out my phone. I start scrolling through my phone and all this stuff kind of thing. So that's what I'm doing. All of a sudden, I hear a familiar voice singing in this Jeep commercial. And it, it's a voice that out of my path almost. And I, 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 my, my eyes lift up. And, and, it's, uh, and for those who have been around for a while, especially lived through the 70s, it was Cat Stevens. <laughs> there you go. Shout out. <laughs> but, uh, and it was an interesting song because I'd never heard that song, but I recognized his voice immediately. And uh, he goes through the song and he gets to a point. And of course, the song is the Jeeps are driving everywhere and happy people in their Jeeps. And uh, the song is going on and this, he's singing in the background and he gets to this verse. If you want to be me, be me. If you want to be you, be you. Because there's a million things to do, you know that there are. So I'm sitting in my chair, I'm looking out my window, and I'm thinking, for he is God. And God brings that to my mind. I knew when I heard it the first time, if you want to be me, be me, if you want to be you, be you. It just kind of struck me weird. And I couldn't figure out, this, this struck me weird. 
So now I'm sitting, three weeks later, I'm sitting over there, and I'm looking out my window, and I'm all thinking, oh, seriously, God, you do not want me to talk about Cat Stevens on a Sunday morning service. Uh-huh. Yes, I do. So this is what I thought. I thought, well, you know, songs have meanings. Let me, let me see what people wrote about the song. And this is one of the first things I ran across was this. I heard a message of hope and encouragement, rally, rally, that offered the listener some kind of redemption of empowerment. I heard a strong and direct message telling me that I have the ability to make this world do what I want it to do. To make this world be what I want it to be. Those words just jumped off the page at me. I took that thought, that line of thought. Could it be that there are times where I make God who I want him to be? We definitely seem to be living in a world right now that makes God who they want him to be. Not who he is, but who they want him to be, to fit their thing. Which caused me to think, do I do that? Uh, growing up, um, we used to talk about how we put God in a box. And when you put God in a box, you limit who he is. And I know there's times in life, we would never say this out loud or even put it in, this, in, this, uh, in these words, but we would say things like, God, I need you to be who I need you to be right now. I need you to act how I need you to act right now for my life, for me. I need you to do what I need you to do for me right now. Life is crazy, and thoughts get moving. And the psalmist that wrote this thousands of years ago says, no. God is God. We don't define God. God is God. In fact, there comes, as I was thinking this thought, God brought one of my favorite passages to mind, Psalms 46.10, where it says, He, or God says, be still and know that I am God. Usually when I read that verse, I anchor in on the be still part because we're busy people. And I anchor there, I go, yeah, God, you're right. I'm just too busy. I need to be still. But this time around when I read that thing, I was able to make the connection to be being still and know that I am God. There's one translation, I love this, the Living Bible says, stand silent, <laughs> if I wrote it, it'd be knock it off, and know that I am God. In Malachi, we read this, for I am the Lord, and I do not change. Time doesn't change God. He's, he's outside of time. 
He has no beginning. He has no end. He will be God. Who he is will not change him. Time will not change. Change is Robert. You can just look at me. Time is changing me. Won't change God and who God is. Circumstances doesn't change God. And we cannot change God. We live a life sometimes, let me just put it this way. I live my life sometimes like I can tailor-made God to fit my life. To help me feel just a little bit better about what I'm doing. And God says, be still and know that I am God. I like how one writer wrote this. Or let me back up just a little bit. In Deuteronomy 4.35, it says this. Know that the Lord is God, and besides him there is no other. In 1 Corinthians verse, or 8, verse 8. But we know that there is only one God. He is the Father, and all things are from him. He has made us for himself. There is one Lord. He is Jesus Christ. He's made all things he keeps us alive. Which brings my thoughts back to that second part of Psalms 100 verse 3. He's made us. We are his. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. pasture. God is God. He's the one and only. He is the creator. Not one person on this planet exists without his creative work. He created us for his pleasure for a special relationship to him, and for a purpose. If we acknowledge that he is God in faith and serve him, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He, God, wants to take care of us as, a, as tenderly as a shepherd cares for his sheep. I love that. He wants us to recognize our weaknesses and helplessness without him. He wants to feed us with spiritual food to help us grow and become strong in the spirit. Be still and know that I am God. God is God. He has made us and we are his. We need to give thanks. God is good. The second truth for God is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Now I'm going to read some verses here. First, first uh, Chronicles 16.34, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Psalms 106.1, 107.1, 118.1, 118.29, 136, one. I'm thinking we're supposed to get this point here, Okay. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. The goodness of God is one of his attributes as well as a description of his very essence. He is the foundation of goodness and in, of everything good. It wasn't like God one day decided, I want to be a good God, so I'm going to walk over here and pick up a little bit of goodness and be good. no. He is good, 
Because that's who he is, his very essence. And I, my mind, I don't know about yours, my mind kind of goes, you know, remember how the little hourglass on your computer does this, or the little thing goes, it was trying to search for, my mind does that when I try to, because it's very hard for me to understand this very essence is good, goodness. As people, we can do good things and we can have good treat, treats, good traits. We can have good treats too, I guess, but good traits. But goodness of character is in our essence. But that's who God is. He's God and he's good. And there's nothing we can do to earn it, which is kind of interesting and which is kind of encouraging, maybe not so much for you, but I know for me, that even in my worst days as a Christ follower, God's goodness does not change. And in my best days as a Christ follower, his goodness is still the same. There's nothing I can do to make his goodness go up and down, which is amazing because I go up and down. Can you imagine believing in a God that goes up and down? You wouldn't know what God you have. But here's a God who never changes. And no matter where my spiritual journey is, is on the right track or, the, or wherever it's going, his goodness to me is always the same. That's worthy of giving thanks for. Thank you, Jesus. Because if my faith was based on how I live it out, I'm in serious hurt. But since it's based on the essence of who God is, his goodness, that's worthy of giving thanks. Psalms 145.9, the Lord is good to all and his loving kindness is over all his works. And since he is good, it assures us that God's purpose and plan for our lives is good. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the, I love this, these next few words, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights. It's what I think of every time I stand out and I look at all the stars. Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Now, if this is true, that God is good and it never changes, how do we know that God is good when our lives feel bad? Because that's, that's where my mind thought when I was reading this. I read, you know, God is God. Yeah, okay, okay. And I wrote down all those thoughts. Then I got to God is good. And I said, yeah, okay. What do you do with that when life's not good? So again, I, I did some reading. I came across some really good stuff, people. I'm telling you. That kind of wrecked my thinking a little bit. and made me think, whoa, let me just read this to you. We have a tendency to think, that one of God's roles or function in our life is to shield or remove from us or to quick fix unpleasant circumstances. Please, God, remove me from this. Goes on to say this. And so, we have learned, learned to equate the goodness of God 
with the rightness of our circumstances. So if our circumstances are good, then God is good. Right? So when good things are happening in your life, and I've said some of these phrases, we'll say stuff like, God must really like me. God is good. God is smiling down on me. God must really love me. And when things aren't going so well, we might say things like, and I've caught myself saying a couple of these things. Why is God punishing me like this? Where is God? Why doesn't he do something? Why doesn't he care? We need to understand that God's goodness may not show up as a happy experience. Sometimes his goodness can be, come as a disguised as adversity and hardship. I think back on my life. We all have stories. I think back on my life of the difficult circumstances, situations in my life. About seven years into my marriage, it almost blew up. Poof. Had a, my youngest daughter in her elementary school age came down with an illness no one could figure out for weeks. And they began to test her for the, the bad things. My father died complications with Alzheimer's. I would not say in the middle of these things that they were good. I can't, with all honesty. This was, this was hurtful, confusing. This was a moment at a time where I honestly said, God, where are you? And this is a moment of time where I said, why did you ever allow this illness on the planet of earth. This is the most evil thing I've ever seen happen to people. The truth is this, that the very essence of God is good means that he can use all these difficult times in my life for his good. That doesn't make the situation good. That, that's not making the, my marriage almost blowing up a good thing. My daughter, oh, that's a good thing. That's just basically saying, I am God and I am good. So I'm going to walk you through each of these things and I'm going to show you my goodness. His goodness never changed through each of those circumstances, life-altering times for me. His goodness was the same here. His goodness was the same here. And his goodness was the same here. And because he's a God and his essence is good and his goodness, we have Romans 8.28. We all know that all things work, that things God works for good to those who love him. When they're being called according to his will. 
His goodness isn't based on my circumstances. His goodness is because of who he is. And the more I uplift and the more I come to understand how, that, how he never changes, he's always God, how his goodness never changes, it's always what it was, what it is, and what it will be. And as I uphold that goodness, it causes me To realize that he was with me in every moment of those situations. Think of King David, who wrote a lot of the Psalms, 75 of them. Talk about someone that knew adversity. Talk about somebody that had a life that went up and down, up and down, up and down. I just wrote out a few things. Rejected by family, friends, hunted by King Saul, hidden caves fearing for his life, poured out his sorrows and suffering to God. If you read the Psalms, you'll read that. But then he makes this astounding declaration. He says this. Remember me, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. According to your love, remember me, for you are good. O Lord, good and upright is the Lord. Our circumstances are not an accurate reflection of God's goodness. Whether life is good or bad, God's goodness is rooted in his character and is always the same. Psalms 25, 10. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. God's goodness is the same in good days and in bad days. We are called as Christ followers to give thanks to God each and every day. And I know for me that as I worked my way through all of this, that I realized I didn't know a whole lot about God. I've read a lot about God. I could tell you a lot about God. But I realize knowing and saying are two different things. If I truly could grasp what it means that God is God and that he is good, I would not stop thanking God. Even in the middle of the worst circumstances, that I would know God is still God. He's still on the throne. And he's a good God. And he made me. And he loves me. And he wants to take care of me. Last Monday, every Monday morning, we always have a, we call the staff huddle time. Randy pulls us all together and he reads a devotional and we talk about it and then we pray. And last Monday, we read a devotional out of Experiencing God Day by Day. And uh, I want to read you just a snippet. It says, Thankfulness is a conscious response that comes from looking beyond our blessings to their source. Our worship, prayers, service, and daily life ought to be saturated with thanksgiving to God. And I say, why? 
Because God is God and he's good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know this is journey I just begun with you, trying to understand those two powerful truths. And I pray you continue to walk me down that journey. Lord, I lift up those in the room that going through circumstances where they wonder where you are, the goodness where that's at. Lord, I just pray that you'd bring people into their lives that could speak your truths, your comfort, your peace into their lives. Lord, I thank you for a time in the country where we can slow down and give thanks and in the midst of family, food, and football. May we just take a moment of time and say, you are God and you are good and we are thankful. Amen. All right. Hey, if you would like prayer, we'll have our prayer team right up here. If there's something you want a little more information about, our next steps area is right out here. I will be right outside that door with a few people. If this is your first time with us, I would love to meet with you today. Right out there. All right, have a good week and have a great Thanksgiving. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.